Welcome to Folding Chair Theology. We're your hosts, Justin Mercier and Bruce Pagano, and this is Theology for Everyone. Hey guys, welcome back to a Folding Chair Theology segment, a Spruce of Bruce. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of going to wing... Well, like, no, I just have some thoughts that I'm going to kind of work through here. And I wanted to talk about mercy in general. Um, And mercy kind of as it applies to um, the way that we operate inside of the kingdom of God. And so this might not be a long episode. Well, they're only 20 minute segments anyway. It may not even be 20 minutes, but... So I want to talk about the specific aspect of mercy and just kind of how it plays out in the kingdom. Um, If you're listening to the podcast, we are working through the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is essentially Jesus' declaration of what the kingdom looks like and um, the politic of the kingdom, the, the, the political view of the kingdom and not... Um, as Mike Erie on the Vox podcast says, not partisan, um, but political in the sense that these are the beliefs and ideologies connected to the kingdom of God um, that directs us as a people in how directs and instructs us as a people in how to live within that kingdom um, as we try as citizens of the same king to follow King Jesus. And so um, we're working through uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount and what it looks like to to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And I think that mercy becomes really important to that. And, and I've talked about it before, um, but just kind of as a reminder, that the base definition that I'm working with here for mercy is the compassionate care of someone in distress. So if you think of the um, Good Samaritan and you think of that story and the Good Samaritan, if you're familiar with it, uh, comes across after two Jewish people pass by this Jewish man who is um, kind of left for dead, being ha- having been beat up and robbed and left there by those robbers, the two Jewish guys, who work at the temple. One's a Pharisee, one's a Levitical um, temple worker. And they pass by him and they just leave him there to die. And this Samaritan who they don't care about, they, they look down on the Samaritans in general, the Jewish people do. And he comes up and he cares for this, um, this Jewish man who's dying and put, you know, tends his wounds and puts him on his own donkey and takes him to an inn and pays for him to stay there. And, Jesus asks the Pharisee there, like, which one acted as his neighbor? And the Pharisee says, the one who showed him mercy. And that that word mercy is this act of compassion. So it's more than just feeling bad for someone and looking at them and being like, oh, man, I like I have compassion for them. I, I feel bad for them. It's actually this active compassion that moves you towards it's a compassion that moves you towards caring for that person in their distress so that you can work to undo that distress. 
And so that's what we see Jesus every time he talks about mercy, anytime he talks about caring for people, that's what he's talking about is caring for people in their distress as an act of, as an active compassion. So that's the premise that we're working on. And I've just been thinking a ton about, um, the world that we live in. Cause I'm working on a new book right now and it's, and it's based on this idea of mercy and I'm just, I've been thinking through this idea of justice because the mercy that we've been sold as a society, as a, as a people, uh, I don't know if it's, I, I think I was going to say, I don't know, but I've been to foreign countries and, and it's a similar type of plight and desire, but we're, we're working towards and demanding justice in a lot of different areas. And this idea that, um, mercy is the withholding of punishment is kind of pervasive throughout multiple different cultures and throughout the world. And it's this idea that mercy is kind of delivered as this, if we, if someone deserves something, some sort of punishment or some sort of, um, consequence for whatever they did, usually, usually if they did something bad, um, they can, one of two things can happen. They can beg for mercy, in which case the deliverer, you know, the person that they're begging mercy from is the deliverer of that sentence, that, that consequence, that's that punishment. And so, um, they, they can beg for mercy or the, the person responsible can offer freely offer mercy, but, but in both instances, it's this withholding of punishment that's deserved because they broke a law or they committed some crime or they, they had some sort of, um, offense that was committed. And the person with the power and authority is able to stay that punishment or, or, you know, dial back or mitigate some of that punishment because they have that power to do that. And that's not, you know, we're, we're sold that. And that certainly is a a type of mercy, a degree of mercy, one side of mercy, but by and large, it's not the type of mercy that we see in the Bible, even in the old Testament. Um, when God, when God, tells his people that he desires mercy. Um, he's talking about caring for like caring for people. Like even the Hebrew is really more accurately translated as, um, compassionate care, like active compassion. Um, oftentimes it'll be trans. It's the same word that'll be translated into loving kindness. Um, and so, we we see that th- as a theme throughout the Bible. And so when Jesus sits the scene and he tells that parable and he's teaching about um, mercy in, in the Sermon on the Mount and tells, you know, shares the parable that parallels that he's really maintaining and continuing a theme of mercy of God. And it's not this withholding of punishment because of withholding of punishment, as I've said before, in, in a withholding of punishment, it would suggest that for some reason the Jewish man who is beat up and robbed and left for dead somehow deserved that. And the Samaritan coming in and caring for him and tending to his wounds 
was a withholding of something of a punishment he deserved. And so we just don't see that. Like Jesus didn't make that indication, didn't indicate that. Um, and so instead he, he offers this other view that's this compassionate care. And it's the same thing that God wants to do for us in our distress of separation from him. He wants to come in and care for us and tend our wounds and take us to the end and have us cared for and healed and then have us walk, you know, like Jesus comes in and pays that cost of what it takes to heal us like the Samaritan. And then we get to walk into second life and, um, and wholeness and healing. And so this idea of, Everyone's looking for justice and, and here's kind of my, my thought on it as I kind of work through it is that there's, there's this desire for justice that's built out of perception that may not be accurate often. Um, Sometimes we fabricate, this is what I'm thinking, sometimes we fabricate persecution and sometimes we fabricate stuff against us that's not really there, like a, a taking of our rights. And really what we're asking for is justice in those areas. And I'm not saying that <clears throat> that it's non-existent. I'm not saying that because in some cases it, it's very real and it exists. Um but there's, you know, when we look at persecution and oppression throughout the world and throughout history, um, there, you know, the white Anglo-Saxon um, has really not suffered the same oppression and persecution as other um, nations and, and races and peoples. Um and so we kind of move this forward into today and, and we see this demand for our rights and um, and religious um, just like, oh, I can't remember, the, my, the word escapes me, but um, religious liberty, sorry, religious liberty, like we demand our religious liberty and we, and we look at any attempt to kind of give equal footing to other people because we live, whether you like it or not, we live in a pluralistic society. Like America is a pluralistic society. It's not, it's not a Christian nation. We don't live in a theocracy. We live in a de democratic Republic that welcomes all different views and all different. And so we live in this pluralistic nation and, and we kind of have to work within the tension of that. And so any attempt to provide religious liberty to a scope of people, it, it can often feel like, like it's because others are being brought up to level that, that we're losing something because we've benefited from great privilege just as a Christian people in this nation. And that's not why America was established. I mean, yes, there was a Puritan movement and yes, there was an escape for religious freedom. But 
either religious freedom applies to everyone or it applies to no one because it can't just apply to one religious group or else that one religious group is oppressing other religious groups and it's not actually a nation focused on religious freedom. And so we get to this point, you know, 400 years into coming to America and, 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 you know, a few, a few hundred years into a couple hundred years into, uh, I don't know what we're into 250 years now into being a nation and, um, and really we've kind of adopted this idea that, um, any attempt to draw, to, to draw equality into other spaces feels like oppression and feels like distress. Um, and so we, we demand justice in those areas. We demand our rights, which is really a call for justice. And, and as we scream for justice in areas where if you look at persecution worldwide, like uh, to Christians worldwide, we're, we're not experiencing that. We, we just don't, we're not experiencing persecution the way that other <laughs> Christians are experiencing persecution. And, and that's not meant to demean or belittle um, genuine attempts to, to, to squash Christian belief in America, but it's just not happening at the level that we're sold. Um, and so we demand justice and because we're so elevated in that call for justice, it, it drowns out calls for justice in areas that inarguably have been points of oppression and points of subjugation and points of, um, repression and points of, um, legitimate persecution. And even though we're not responsible because we didn't actually commit the act, we're not able to hear the cries of legitimate oppression because we're demanding justice for ourselves in an area that hasn't been taken away yet. Um, and we're fearful. We're operating in this spirit of fear that it's going to be taken away. And if we believe the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is the last book of the Bible, it's going to be taken away. To some degree, it's going to be taken away. It has to be. And then Jesus comes back, right? And so while we're on this earth, I just wonder what it would look like if we just paused for a moment, listened to what was being said by our brothers and sisters, people of color. Um, the, you know, the acronym is BIPOC, which is black indigenous people of color. Um, which is the LBGT, you know, if we listen to the LBGTQ community, if, if we listen to these other communities that you can argue with me all day, but the truth is that they've experienced oppression at the hands of a predominantly white church here in America. They just 
have. And it's not enough to say, okay, we're not separating you anymore. We've not cast you off anymore. You can come as long as you leave your hurt at the door, as long as you leave your oppression at the door, as long as you leave your differences at the door and come in and be the same as me, you can come in. It's not enough. That's still oppressive. And so the ability, you know, there's there's some in the church that see how badly we've hurt like people in the LBGTQ plus community and they'll go out to parades and say, "Hey, I'm sorry that I'm sorry for what the church has done to you." And for some reason because it was it, it I almost feel like it's because it's so recent, but for some reason for, you know, black indigenous people of color it was so long ago as far as we're concerned that we don't offer the same i'm sorry instead we're like yeah but you're not segregated you're allowed to come here but you're but if we're honest they're allowed to come here if they leave it at the door and then they're allowed to come in and so i just wonder what would happen if 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 in mercy, like if, if we applied mercy the way that Jesus intended us to apply mercy in that we pause and we, and we listen to and and look at the hurt and the distress. And then, and then we make attempts to care for the other. What would happen? That's justice. Like when 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 someone's hurt, and you take a take a moment, you take time to listen to their hurt, and then you work, even if you didn't do it, even if you didn't directly do the action that caused that hurt, if you just worked to undo that hurt, because that's what we're called to loving kindness, compassionate action. That's justice. And that's what's being asked for. And I don't think it's outside of the realm of us as followers of Christ, as kingdom citizens to care for other citizens that reside in the same kingdom as us. So I just, there's so much more that could be said, but I just feel like Jesus reveals this more accurate view of mercy in the Good Samaritan and even the prodigal son, and there's a ton there. Um, But, you know, it's, it's not enough to pretend it didn't happen. And there, you know, like we're not being asked as a, as a white community to fall down on our faces and grovel for forgiveness. But they, you know, but, but we are being asked to acknowledge the hurt that's been administered by the body of Christ for so long and to listen to that hurt and then to act in ways that, um, that care for people in their distress and undo that hurt. And I just wonder what that looks like. I, I'm I'm working towards individually trying to figure out what that looks like. So 
I think the first step is being honest in your evaluation of that. Yeah, so that's the episode. That's a spruce of Bruce. That's kind of what I've been thinking through and trying to work through. And um, I'd love to hear your thoughts and comments. And that was 20 minutes. I, I did 20 minutes. So anyway, that's it. Thank you. Um, check us out on Thursday when we come out with our normal episode as we're continuing the Sermon on the Mount and um, and talking about oath making and religious language. So thanks. Take it easy. Um, I'll see you in the Instagram and the Facebook. Bye. Thank you for listening to Fold and Share Theology. You can follow Bruce on multiple social media platforms at bpags2, as well as Justin Mercier on Instagram at justinmercier13. Additionally, you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Folding Chair Theology. Until then, keep unfolding God's word each and every day.